reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, remain faithful to what you have learned and believed, because you know from whom you learned it, and that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are capable of giving you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that one who belongs to God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Verbum Domini. Lord, teach me your statutes. How shall a young man be faultless in his way? By keeping to your words. With all my heart, I seek you. Let me not stray from your commands. Within my heart, I treasure your promise that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. In the way of your decrees, I rejoice as much as in all riches. Dominus Fabiscum, Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum, Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind, 
When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Jesus asked them, do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. Verdipum Domini. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Jerome. He was born in Striden, which is modern day Croatia in 347. And he's known for the fact that he translated the Bible into Latin. Recently, the past number of years, it has been somewhat updated, but that original Latin is still there in the scripture as the church's official text. So born in 347 to a, a Christian family, he was sent to Rome for studies. And for a while he lived a, a worldly life, but then he had this a deeper conversion experience. He was baptized in 366, lived as a hermit near Aleppo in Syria. He knew Greek and Hebrew, had an excellent education in Rome. He transcribed various uh, scriptural works and in 382, he moved back to Rome, and he was a famed ascetic and scholar. He was recognized for that, his, his spirituality, his discipline, scholarship. And the pope at the time encouraged him to write a new Latin translation called the Vulgate, which is, at this day, official Latin text of the church or the scripture. He had some noble women that as spiritual directees, and they supported him in his work. And he, he later left Rome in 385 and went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land in Egypt. And he wound up settling in Bethlehem. He stayed there until he died. And yet he was a busy academic. We could say he, he wrote commentaries. He wrote biographies of monks who were also hermits. He, defended the faith, opposed heresies, encouraged other monks in their life of prayer. He taught students, classical culture, and even welcomed pilgrims. He lived right next to, his cell was right next to the Grotto of the Nativity. You can go there to this day and see where he lived and studied in a, a cave, basically. He loved uh, the scriptures, and obviously, and he would say, that may your hands never set the holy book down. And Vatican II, the catechism quotes, he would write as well, ignorance, <clears throat> ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. I've heard we've had priests pass through here that were students of Pope Benedict, and they said he always car carried a, a Greek 
copy of the New Testament with them. And, it, and not only you know, it didn't carry it just for show, it was well-worn. They said he would take it out and refer to it and read to it, read it. But may your hands never set the holy book down. His love for scripture, he knew, obviously, the importance of it. Pope Benedict himself would say that every Christian should live in dialogue with the Word of God and that it is truly a personal dialogue that God has with us when we read and meditate on the scriptures. He has a message for each one of us when we read them. We encounter him, big word, you know, in the Bible, in the scriptures. Benedict's one of his great themes, too, is that the word, we could say the scripture, builds communion, it builds the church. Every renewal of the church happens around uh, the Eucharist and the scriptures. Vatican II called for a renewal of th theology, you know, using the scriptures as the source, that our theology is always to be ultimately a reflection on the word of God. You know, at the Mass, we have scripture readings, we reflect on them, and the word becomes present in the Eucharist, in the Blessed Sacrament. And this is always renewing the church, always uh, building the church. We see at the end of Mark's Gospel and Matthew this great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole of creation. First Timothy uh, chapter 2, you know, that writes that desires that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So if we're going to go into the world to proclaim that gospel so that men may hear that truth and be saved, this gospel has to be handed on. The apostles first received it, and the gospel meaning the words of Christ, what he spoke to them, the witness of his way of, uh, his way of life, uh, the works that he did, and then also the promptings of the Holy Spirit, prompting the, Holy, the apostles to inspire them, to remind them what Jesus said, but also to inspire them in their understanding. So we speak of the transmission of that gospel orally by the spoken word, by the preaching of the, the apostles, their successors, the bishops, by the example they give, the institutions they establish. This is how Vatican II described it. So orally and in writing uh, by those apostles and other men associated with the apostles who under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit committed the message of, message of salvation to writing. So to preserve all this, the apostles you know, appointed left successors and giving them that same teaching authority. Now, the apostles, of course, are privileged because they saw, heard, touched, you know, knew Christ personally, so you can't repeat that experience per se exactly, but that revelation given to them is preserved in apostolic preaching to this day in the inspired books that they have left us. So this living transmission is accomplished in the Holy Spirit. We call it tradition. It's distinct from scripture, the written word, but closely connected to it. And Vatican II said that through tradition that the church in her doctrine, life, and worship, doctrine, life, and worship, 
perpetuates and transmits to every generation all that she herself is, all that she believes. When you go to other countries like in South America or Europe that have a long history of a Catholic culture, I'm always impressed by you know, how much a person raised in that culture will absorb and know just from living in that culture, the witness, things they see, the practice of the faith, I grew up in North Alabama, I was barely Catholic at all. My parents are from New Orleans, and they lived in a much more intense Catholic culture, and they would absorb a lot more stuff, you know, just by living there, you know? So the church is passing on this revelation, you know, in her teaching or worship, in her life, you know, how she lives these things, her moral life, you know, how she lives with one another, the, the practices, the religious practices that she has. The Vatican II taught that the church fathers, these privileged saints and theologians of the first thousand years of the church, roughly, are witnesses to this tradition. You know, showing forth its riches, being poured out in the practice and life of the church, its belief in prayers. It seems like the church fathers, when you read them, they are just, because I think they're close to the event of Christ's incarnation. They have a, a deep understanding, a grace understanding, insight into scripture and tradition. So the word remains present and active in the church through scripture and through tradition. Scripture is to be the soul of theology, the inspiration of the Christian life in particular but both, right? We both draw inspiration from both. And the both scripture and tradition are bound closely together and communicate with one another. Benedict describes it as they, they come together to become one thing and move to the same goal. I mean, the first Christians didn't have, you know, a New Testament, so to speak. They had tradition. And that you could say in a sense that the scripture came out of that tradition. But there are two distinct modes of that transmission. The scripture is the speech of God as it's put down in writing under the breath of the Holy Spirit. And tradition comes from the hands of the apostles, what they receive from Jesus' teaching and example, plus the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Scripture, you know, under that written, under that breath of the Holy Spirit is inspired by the Holy Spirit, has God, as its author, it teaches, Vatican II said, solidly, faithfully, and without error, that truth which God wanted put into the sacred writings for uh, the sake of our salvation. And Timothy says, you know, plainly today, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, refutation, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that one who belongs to God may be competent. And we have accompanying tradition to understand what that scriptures mean. How do we understand the truth that's there in its fullness? The, the author of scripture is God himself, but he uses human authors as well. And we look at the, the genre of the scripture, especially in the Old Testament and the intention in which the authors had. And the Vatican II taught that these authors wrote 
everything and only those things which God wanted written. So scripture, as Catholics, then we preserve this, that scripture and tradition make up the sacred deposit of faith. It's a single deposit. The word comes to us under these two fonts of scripture and tradition. And on top of that, today we have a, a magisterium that gives this teaching office of the church, that gives authentic interpretation of the word of God, you know, in its written form, in tradition. So the bishops in communion with the successor of Peter, the bishop of Rome, the popes that we have today, you know, are at the heart of this magisterium. And it's not superior to the word of God, but it's servant, it's servant. Catechism says that it teaches only what has been, has been given to it. The magisterium is to listen devoutly, to guard it with dedication and expound it faithfully. I remember I was having a conversion experience, you know, born and raised Catholic, and I was after college and I was reading this uh, book, this meditation, and they quoted Luke chapter 10, he who hears you hears me. He who hears you hears me. And Jesus speaking to the apostles. And I remember when you get that part, that the church is inspired and has this teaching authority, you know, an exercise of faith that we believe what the church teaches and our constant teaching, our perennial teaching and ecumenical councils. And we can, we don't have to wake up every day and figure out the universe, right? <laughs> we can receive it. It's given to us. And it's a great place of peace and rest that we can have. And the whole body of the faithful, you know, we're told, and they have a sense of the faith, sensus fidei, that they cannot err in matters of belief. And yet we grow in understanding. We have a deposit of faith that ends with the death of the last apostle. That's no more public revelation, yet we can grow in understanding of that revelation. We imitate Mary. Remember we're told a few times in Luke's gospel, twice I think, that she ponders these things in her heart. That theological research and prayer, meditation, we come to a, a deeper knowledge of this revealed truth. You know, we, we also grow in knowledge, and I see this all the time as a priest, just from believers' experiences. People of faith living, praying, living their faith, they grow in insight. I love to hear reflections of, of the laity. I'm a co-host on Life on the Rock with Brother John, and we're interviewing mostly lay people who are giving us their reflections, just their life of fidelity, drawing from that life of fidelity to what Christ has given us. They have insight. They have teaching. They have a prophetic voice in the church. We say through baptism that they, are, they share in that priest, prophet, and king office mission of Christ in the lay, you know, in the lay lady living in the world experiences. And, and reveal this. And then, of course, also from the preaching of especially the bishops, their co-workers, the priests, who have received a charism of truth. 
scriptures inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, refutation, for correction. It's useful, we could add, for meditation, for renewal, for strength, for direction and guidance in our life. 